Welcome to Mayor Fitness, the official podcast of Great Lakes Stainless, episode 35. This is Paul and Travis. Mike is doing something else right now. I don't know. Yeah. But he's the president, so come in when he wants. No question. Nope. Nope. And uh, on this episode, we had Krista Goldman and Steve Andrews with Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And this was, I, this was a really good one, really good yeah. conversation. Yeah. Um, I like that we've had uh, multiple uh, nonprofits on. Kind of see how they all work together. I mean, Habitat, Goodwill, mm-hmm. um, even Cherryland. Yeah, uh, Electric has gotten you know that partnership with um, Habitat. Yeah, that's right. So I want to kind of reach out to them and maybe talk about that. I know they've already done it a couple times. They've had Habitat on their podcast. We had Habitat on ours, but I kind of want to get with Cherryland and yeah, again, yeah, Ma- mainly just to use that equipment. That was that was nice. Yeah, pop filters on these sweet mics on these monitor arms, and they had a producer, so I felt like kind of a big deal, you know. <laughs> like, hey, man, yeah, can you check my level? Can yeah. you do that? No, 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 it's too loud. I don't like it. Oh wow. <laughs> Jesus help me. Give me, give me an answer. I'll take them on. Yeah, I know. Every time, every time, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Mike's not uh, not here, and uh, I learned something uh, on the last. Uh, podcast. It kind of, we were kind of just BSing after it was over. I didn't record the conversation, but I wish I would have, because uh, apparently Mike and Travis don't like Arby's. Not and, a fan. And uh, I cannot wrap my mind around that. I think it's delicious. So if anybody... Don't like Arby's, fight me. <laughs> so if anybody from Arby's has any connections, anybody listening has any connections with Arby's, uh, definitely willing to... Uh, Take some uh, donations or have them as a sponsor. If anybody from Arby's wants to change my mind, ah, feel go. free. Ah, perfect opportunity. Yeah, feel free. But just up to up this point, point, nearly 40 years of my life, I haven't liked Arby's. I just, I can't. I don't know. I mean, the curly fries. I might, in a pinch, take McDonald's fries over Arby's curly fries. McDonald's fries are good. They're okay. Yeah, I'm not, not even a big fan of those. Uh, what fries, then? Fast food fries is your choice. I'm not a big fan of any of the fast food fries, to be 100% honest. Okay. I'll tell you the ones I don't. I don't like crinkle fries. Why's that? They hold more ketchup. Uh, use two if you want to hold more ketchup. Crinkle fries, no, they, they're mushy. Not if you cook them right. Uh, well, then Culver's hasn't been able to cook mine right. So I'm calling Culver's out right now. Great why, why are you getting fries at Culver's and not getting cheese curds? That's a good point. That's a good point because my yeah, wife's you have no reason to bitch about the fries <laughs> at Culver's when you're not getting cheese curds. That's a good point because my wife's from Wisconsin, so it's got to be yeah be all about the cheese. Yeah. So she said when she was uh, in school when she was growing up, they had the best deep fried, deep fried cheese curds in school. Oh, I'm sure they did. You know, it's like it's like remember the institutional pizza with the little chunks oh, of pepperoni? Absolutely, freaking delicious. Really? Yeah, you didn't like that either? Everybody was excited on Pizza Day, yeah. it seemed like, but it was never that great, I didn't think. But it was it was better than the alternatives. And most of the time, I was a cold lunch kid, man. I, okay. was, I was brown paper bag or transformer lunchbox, yes. you know? I'll bet it's a lot of nostalgia for me associated with I think Because I'm a sucker for nostalgia. I'll admit that. It has a big effect on me. I bet if you were to eat a piece of that Pizza Day... <laughs> Like, what is this trash? You would throw it out the window so fast <laughs> your head would spin. I might. I might. I still can't get over it. Okay, so Mike was complaining about the roast beef being fake. And I'm like, how many Diet Cokes does he drink a day? And he's complaining about fake meat? Well, I mean, he can still complain about the fake meat and still like Diet Coke. I mean, I don't you think know, they're not related. I don't think it's fake. I think it's real meat, but I think it's processed. I don't know. I see, like, uh, the, the veining in the meat. I feel it's like an actual chunk of roast beef. Not going to lie, I've never deconstructed an Arby's roast no? beef sandwich. Maybe when I threw it in the trash and deconstructed <laughs> Now, I give them the, the cheese on the beef and cheddar. All right, okay. But it's freaking delicious. The cheese in quotation marks. Oh, okay. The cheese. Well, that's American cheese. Cheese-like product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's not cheese either. Velveeta. That's not cheese either. Do you know what color Velveeta would be if they didn't add? I have no idea. Yellow? Blue? Clear. Clear? I believe it. Yeah. Okay, that's gross. That's all oil. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. But it's delicious. It is delicious. I'll give you that. But it's not cheese. No. Cheese-like product. And, okay, you, it's for them, Arby's to call it cheddar. All right. That's a stretch. Yeah. 
But also, I'll be honest, the heroes at Arby's. And I grew up going to a Greek Orthodox church and going to the Greek bazaars and stuff. And so their heroes, which are the best I've ever had, because they were made like legit yeah. by yeah. Greek grandmothers. Yeah. Arby's heroes are the closest thing I've had to those of any restaurant I've been to and gotten heroes. I've never, no, never gotten an Ar- uh, Euro at Arby's. Don't go to Arby's. Right. You know? They're, they're amazing. And what, what sucks is that now there's only the one up by Dunham's, I think, right? There's not... I have no idea. Yeah, there's the, they got rid of the one up here at Chums. It became that garbage Coney Island place that closed down a couple of years later. And then, um, yeah, the one by Save-A-Lot. Oh! Yeah. Or now it's the VA thing. It's not Save-A-Lot anymore. Yeah. But uh, And then there was the one, is the one on South Airport that used to be Taco Bell? That used to be a hot and out? Is that still I have no idea. And then on our way to Wisconsin... In Manistique, there used to be an Arby's at a BP gas station, and they got rid of that. So I'm pissed. I'm, I'm willing to go out of complaining to Arby's. And I'm going to say, now this is just speculation. Mike and I aren't alone in our thoughts about the roast beef and the cheese. Well, you've talked to others that have the same. No, I'm just saying. I uh, by the way, at the rate that they're closing down Arby's around oh, here, yeah, I think word's getting out. <laughs> Arby's needs a champion. And I'm, I'm here for them. All right. Anybody listening? They do have great commercials. They've got, uh, what's his name? John H. Benjamin. The guy does the voice of, oh, on, of Archer. Uh, yeah. And um, Bob's Burgers. Yes. That's yeah. right. Great instantly recognizable voice. He that's does right. great, great commercials for Arby's, but it's not going to change my mind. Okay. Well, we'll have to shelve this conversation, get Mike's input. Yeah, he can weigh in on it all he wants, you know? <laughs> I wish I'd recorded that conversation last time, though. You were genuinely surprised. I was. And slightly I, offended. I was. I still am. I am slightly offended. Usually, I'm completely open to alternative views. I have an open mind. I have no problem. But, man, I, I thought you were going to attack the fries. Oh, man. I was like, man, you got to be careful. I'm just not a big fan of them. Even the curly fries. I like the seasoning. Yeah. They always seem rubbery to me. Really? Yeah. Man. Now, like I say, I'm not a huge fan of fries anyway. I'll eat them if they're on a plate because I'll eat just about anything. Yeah. But now, if, if, it's, uh, if it's fries, it's, it has to be sweet potato fries. Those are Thick good. cut sweet potato fries. Sure. I get behind that. None of the, none of the shoestring sweet potato fries. Okay. I get behind that. That's good. Anyway, how's, uh, I don't think we have any open jobs on the website right now. But again, always looking for good people. Uh, come in, show us what you got. You're more in tune with what we got coming down the pipe than I do. It's looking pretty good. We've got a decent backlog. A um, few nice jobs in the pipeline that I think are going to be coming this way. And nice. Fingers crossed anyway. Nice. Um, as a salesman, you know, I do a lot of fingers crossing and uh, positive speculation. Does that involve like a, a pound of salt and some chicken feet? Blood of a goat? I don't care what it is, man. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Chicken, chicken bones in a bowl. Sales 101. Yeah. Sales 101. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. <laughs> Some voodoo magic. When, uh, when, Mike, when Mike gave me this job, he also, he just, he said, why don't you hand me your pride and your dignity right now and I'll just keep it in this drawer and if things ever change, I'll give it back to you. So far, it's worked out great. All right. Glad to hear. Barely miss it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, greatlakestainless.com. Uh, check out our Facebook, check out our Instagram, and if you want to get a hold of us about any uh, uh, episode suggestions or just general comments. Weigh in on the Arby's debate. Weigh in on the Arby's debate. I mean, if you don't like Arby's, you're wrong, but whatever. Mirror finish at greatlakestainless.com. And, uh, oh, and yes, please subscribe, rate, and review. It's really, really important uh, for not just us. I mean, all podcasts, that's how they kind of live and die Um, in in the the ratings and everything. Mm-hmm. So please subscribe, rate, review, positive review. Um, you know, if you anything negative, just send an email, but don't give us a negative review. No, you can negatively review, just give us five stars. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So be a hypocrite. Yes. That's uh, perfectly fine. Again, like I say, very loose morals, not a lot of dignity over here. <laughs> and it's been working. It's been working great. Nice. Haven't felt better. I'm glad you're happy. Yeah. Here is episode 35 with Krista Goldman and Steve Andrews with Big Brothers and Big Sisters.
president's office. And, okay. Uh, he had something come up this morning. Okay. So uh, usually it's three hosts. Gotcha. Travis is on his way. He'll okay. be joining us. So. Well, this is great. Thank you so yeah. much for the invitation sure. to do this. It's, Absolutely. It's wonderful. And we assume it's just a conversation. We've, it is. You know, yeah. So <laughs> yes, that's, that's all it is. Yeah. We, we, um, we started this podcast initially just to kind of get to know the employees better and get to know their stories. Mm -hmm. And then we thought, well, we could also use it to bring more exposure. Yeah. That's fantastic. Very cool. Yeah. We really so, appreciate it. Absolutely. Very, very cool. We've had, uh, we just published Habitat for Humanity uh, last, or two Fridays ago. Yeah. We've had um, North Sky Raptor Sanctuary. Okay. So they kind of, the owls and everything. Yeah. yeah. They, they worked with uh, Wings of Wonder. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think of who else. And we're trying to get Freedom Builders on. And nice. I know we've had other. I think it's wonderful. I know you've had a nice variety of different nonprofits too. Yeah, yeah, and we're we're continuing to search, search for more in the area. Um, hmm. So it's it's kind of tough balancing normal workload and <laughs> you know, you know yeah. reaching out to <laughs> right. researching and sure. reaching out uh, to people. But no, it's been really fun. I got to give credit to to Mike, the president, who's kind of let it continue because you know it's you know being a, a private business. You want to make sure there's a return on investment for everything you do. Right. Right. And there's really no way to measure that. Right. Yeah, yeah that's true. And, and we haven't that's monetized true. it. You know, yeah. A lot of people have. And mm -hmm. that's great. And uh, um, I'm not sure, quite sure what's involved. If we monetize it, is it going to be an increased yeah. time commitment? And I don't know if I'm right. really able to do yeah. that. So. Or if there's a right. connection with the mission of the business. And yeah, right. like it's, you but know, it's, it's a thing. Well, there's, you know, there's a, it's great. a few you know, things that we've entertained, but then it's like, well, that's not probably something we should do have for a private business. <laughs> if someone wants to do their own podcast yeah. on a personal level, then that would be much more right. appropriate. But, um, but that's, you know, that's great. It's, it's still, still working out really well. We've been doing it for, it was a year in April. Okay. Uh, so it's been going well, and we published 33 episodes. We went on a bit oh of a... Yeah, it's that's so, a, I mean that's a lot in yeah, here. Thirty three. <clears throat> we've that's um, we we started doing it once a week, and that was just too much. You know, I just, you know, couldn't, yeah, couldn't I don't handle it. Yeah, that would be a lot to manage um, with your other duties. <laughs> right. So then we went to once every two weeks. Oh, here's Travis. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hi, Travis. <laughs> Kristen and Steve from Big Hi. Brothers Big Sisters. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So, but yeah, we went to once over two weeks, and it's been much more manageable. Uh, we did take a bit of a, a hiatus there for a while, uh, just for a couple months when things started to get crazy. And we were running out of guests and everything, so <laughs> yeah, to figure out how to adjust the chair. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So uh, why don't you guys, I guess we can start with, uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and what you do at Big Brothers Big Sisters? Sure. Well, I'm the Director of Mentoring, uh, which means I oversee the programs that we do and our mentoring specialist staff. And I am a mentoring, just a mentoring specialist. So we have direct contact with all of our families, our bigs, doing enrollments, interviews. We're in the schools uh, every week, just checking on our matches, doing all that, so and then at events as well. And we have our own Barb, um, yes. who does the accounts receivable and stuff here. And yeah. she's been involved with, like well over a year, I think. Yep, yeah. She has. She's a big sister. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, she seems really happy with it. When you guys came in and uh, did the presentation, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the, the lunchroom there, uh, she commented how fulfilling and everything it right. was. And, uh, so you mentioned schools, and I guess there's, from what, you know, the literature that I, that you guys had passed out at that time, there's, um, there's like a, a school focus and a community focus. Can you explain the difference between those two? Correct. Sure. I'll answer that. And, sure. Um, the, we have a community-based program and a school-based program, and much like it sounds, the school-based program uh, means that the mentor is meeting with the child in their school. So it could be they have lunch with them once a week and just spend some time sharing a meal and listening. Uh, they could also be meeting with them in an after-school program and you know, playing games and 
uh, engaging with them after school. Do they, the schools reach out to Big Brothers Big Sisters? They do. That okay. does happen. Um, it's it's a partnership. I mean, there we have a great relationship with the schools, and they are very well aware of the benefits of our program. And so when we um, have mentors available to work with kids, we reach out to the schools for them to be. Um, notifying the families that we have this opportunity available. So sometimes it is the schools that will recommend students for our program, but also the families themselves will, um, you know, they want the best for their kids and they will reach out to us as well with a request for a mentor for them, whether that's community-based or school-based. Okay. And then the community-based program is much more flexible with the time. They much, you know, like that sounds as well, the mentor can take that child out into the community and. Um, you know, go to the movies, go for hikes, play catch, go sledding, uh, whatever they would like, and the timing is is uh, more flexible with that. What criteria does a school use in order to maybe recommend a child to your organization? Well, there um, th- there is an application process oh, okay. for um, for both a mentor and a child. Um, but to answer your question, I think probably what what you're asking is how how would a school know to recommend sure. a child to us and. Really, the, the easiest way to answer that is that it, it is a, um, a child that would benefit from having a mentor in their life. So it might be someone who um, uh, is struggling at home or struggling at school, um, any child that just needs that kind of assistance. And um, what we find is that when a, when a child has a mentor in their life that is just focused on them, listening to them and meeting with them on a consistent basis that they just they need that trusting relationship with an adult and have some have that guidance Mm -hmm. and it helps with their attendance in school and their grades in school Um, so some so the the schools themselves are seeing that um, that child could benefit from that kind of uh, relationship with an adult right do you have anything you want to add to that no you got it pretty well covered So if, if, like, we knew someone that we think would benefit, what is the application process for that? Well, you take a turn. As a, a child or a volunteer? I guess let's cover let's both. Let's talk about yeah. both, yeah. Let's start with a child. <laughs> yes. We so a, a, child. a child, then we would just have them reach out, the parent reach out to us, uh, submit an inquiry. Uh, we have an online inquiry system where they can call and go through a, a quick orientation about what the whole program entails. Um, and then after that, the we get the application back, and then we start. We do parent interviews, child interviews, um, and then we write up an assessment of that child. And that's really kind of very simplified version of what the child's do, uh, of what the child enrollment process is. Just those two interviews. Uh, for volunteers, it's a little more in depth. Um, for our community-based volunteers, there's like six or seven background checks that we run. Uh, we have a minimum of three references <clears throat> that we re- require, um, and then a home assessment as well as an interview that usually takes an hour and a half to two hours to, to complete. So, And then after that, we write up that whole assessment and make sure we feel like they would be a, a good uh, volunteer for our program, and then we go through the process after that. So we have... A child and a volunteer who are ready to ready to be matched is is what our <laughs> our term for that. Um, and then we have a pre match meeting where the parent and the child parent and the volunteer meet, okay. and they get to talk about the child, uh, ask questions. The parent asks questions of the volunteer about their background and all of those things, and they. Uh, we make sure that the parent is comfortable with that volunteer. Sure. If the parent and the volunteer are both comfortable and say, yeah, we'd like to move forward, then we schedule our match meeting. That's the first time the volunteer and the child meet. Uh, and then they go from there scheduling their activities, and we do our monthly match support. That's a, an important part that people, um, we want to make sure people are aware of that. We don't just match you with the child and say, hopefully it works out, good luck. Uh, we are there calling for the first year of the match every month. <coughs> Uh, to make sure that things are going well, that you guys aren't having issues with the, within the match, that they're, that you feel comfortable and prepared to handle uh, any situation that arises with the child uh, and just offering you know an ear to the volunteer for them to talk about what kind of things uh, they need. And then with the parent as well, what other kind of things are going on in their, their life that we might be able to provide assistance with, connect them with another community agency. Um, 
and then after one year, we go to quarterly contacts. So four times a year, we talk to the families, and but we see them at events and <clears throat> see a lot of our our matches at events and our families at events that we hold, um, and just to try to maintain that contact with them. Now you said parent. Does it have to be a parent that recommends, or can any? No, we actually have a lot of kids who live uh, with their grandparents, oh. their aunts and uncles. So yeah, anyone a guardian is is more of so. Right. Okay, but it has to be a guardian. Like, it could be like a friend of the family that who would need to fill out the paperwork to commit to them doing it. Ah, oh, okay. The legal guardian. Yeah, the has legal to guardian sign off has to sign permission, off on but it. anyone yeah. can recommend. Yeah. a child. But yeah, if you know somebody and said, "Boy, yeah, I mean, your 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 child might really benefit from having a mentor," mm-hmm. then you know we can always reach out to that mm-hmm. person, or they can reach out to us. Have you ever received any resistance from a guardian? Um, you have, yeah. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it, they're they're they take pride in their parenting, sure. and you know, so right. that that makes sense. And but I would say, for the most part, you know, it's the parents want the best for their children, and they um, and for whatever reason they themselves may not have the ability, they may not have the time, mm-hmm. um, and so I, the majority of the situations are that the parents are very supportive. Oh, good, yeah. absolutely. Good. Do you, so, how do you handle that in a case where someone is resistant? <laughs> what's what's the approach? Um, it's usually just, I mean, it, it, there's not a requirement that their child participate sure, in yeah. their program. Sure, yeah. So it's we like, I mean, we, yeah, we, if they want a volunteer for their child, then there are certain rules. I mean, there are <clears throat> rules for our volunteers that they sign off at a, at a match meeting. There are rules our parents sign off on and there are rules our child or the child signs off on. So, yeah. you know, it's not a, uh, it's not a luxury that everyone gets to have a big, it's kind of a, a, a privilege to be able to participate. And there mm-hmm. are. Um, things that are expected of of both parties, you know, to to follow through to make a match work. Because as much as you might just stick two people together, if you they're not actively working on the relationship, it'll never really work out. And that's where Steve, as a mentoring specialist, comes in. We you know, we have mentoring specialists on staff that, as he said have frequent contact with the parent, guardian, with the child, and with the mentor to provide that kind of counseling um, to make sure that it's a successful relationship because it, it's not always just roses and perfect and easy right from the right from the get-go. So that's where our staff comes More often in. It's not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's where that's why we have a staff that supports that relationship and they're there to be able to coach everybody through and sometimes politely remind people, well, this is this is the, the framework of the program and why we do this. And, you know, communication is key. And that's most often what we're encouraging is, right. you know, appropriate and consistent communication between all parties so that we're uh, kind of providing a wraparound support of that child. Helping to really control expectations because mm-hmm. a lot of volunteers think, well, I'm going to come in and and rescue this kid and it's not that's not really what our the, their role should be oh, okay. it's yeah, as a support point. it's not they're not in because I, I guess saying you're going to come in and fix or, or, or do something like that kind of s- makes it sound like this kid is broken or something's wrong when right. that's not they just need extra support most of these kids know how to do these things for themselves given the opportunity to so that's really all a big is there to kind of provide that support for them to 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 find their way and, and be successful themselves, not to just say, here's all this and I'm going to give you this. And, you know, it's, it's about their, their time spent in developing the relationship. So what kind of training have you guys gone through? And then what kind of training do the mentors get? Because it sounds like there's a lot of maybe psychology and, and that kind of stuff, communication you were, you were emphasizing. Mm-hmm. So what kind of training is involved? That's a, that's a great question. I'm glad you, that you asked that, especially for the community to know, because I think that we can approach that from two different ways. Because as we're out recruiting mentors, we don't want them to feel like, oh, I have to have um, a social work degree oh, okay. to do this, or, sure. or I have to right. be a child psychologist <clears throat> to know how right. to do this. It's not, we don't, want, <laughs> we don't want people to feel that kind of pressure. It really is just, for, from a, um, I'll answer this from the volunteer standpoint first, that uh, it really just is spending time with a child. I mean, it's really that simple and sure. consistent time. So we're looking for caring and competent adults to spend time. Um, they don't have to be experts in child psychology. So we, as a staff, are here to help support them. And we do have a training program for our volunteers that um, is really 
Um, in addition to some educational materials, it's time spent with our mentoring specialists to help guide them through what that process is and um, giving them ideas and uh, a toolkit, if you will, mm -hmm. for how to work through some of those challenging situations. Mm -hmm. But the role uh, of the mentor, is, as Steve had said too, is really just spending consistent time. I mean, it's if you have uh, a male little um, playing catch in the yard with them um, or sure. just being there once a week or every other week on a consistent basis because this is what those kids don't have is, a, is a, a, an adult to just spend time with them and listen to them. So that part's pretty simple. If and when there are challenges that come up, that's why that's why our staff is here okay. to, to help with that. And we to answer your question from the staff standpoint, um, the staff does go through child safety training okay. um, and so that we can ensure that our match relationships are safe. We know what questions to be asking to ensure the safety of, of the child. Sure. Um, and I think, I think that answers your, your question. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. Just as an example yeah. of, of how simple it is to, yeah. of what kinds of things you need to do, I had a middle school aged little brother who said the best activity he had had with his big in a long time was six hours of yard work at oh, the okay. big house. Okay. So they spent an entire afternoon re-landscaping and doing all this stuff sure. and raking leaves and taking. I know. Can I say <laughs> that? Yeah. Firewood that needs to be stacked. Exactly. Here you go. The fact that they you like would that. bring them into to your home and kind of have ask for their help means a lot right. to kids. It's a confidence builder when they don't have that at home yeah. or, or at, in other areas of their life. Yeah. So. It gives them, a, mm -hmm. sure. gives them a sense of significance. It, and that's really what it is. And so that, doing that consistently with them, you know, and then making lunch with them or watching a movie sure. afterward, that's yeah. like a perfect day for so many of our little. Or teaching <laughs> yeah. them how to cook, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like yeah. that. Life um, skills, yeah. It's just, it's really, it's really simple. And uh, the other thing that's important to just mention, I think, is the amount of time that we get that question a lot. Like, how much time is this going to take? Oh, time for um, yeah. For our school-based matches, it's once a week. Um, okay. And so it's... About an hour. Uh, yeah, about an hour. So it's um, a lunch hour. You know, everybody yeah. eats lunch, so you just take yeah. take a lunch hour and go to the um, one of the nearest schools that we're in. Um, for our community-based matches, it averages out to be about four to six hours per month. Okay. So um, it might be every other every other week, or some of them choose to meet once a week. You know, some will meet more frequently um, than four to six hours a month, but that's about what it is. So right. And how is that time amount of time? kind of decided on? Is that research-based or just over the years that's like, okay, this is enough and this is too much? It's a kind of trial and error? I think it's mostly kind of to develop that relationship. It's kind of a minimum, that four to six hours uh, a month. Obviously, you can do more if you can mm -hmm. do, okay. if a volunteer is able to meet a couple hours every week just because that's what their schedule allows, people will do that. But that that's kind of a minimum like uh, to develop okay. The relationship yeah. and develop trust and and uh, candor with somebody, you need to be able to at least meet with them for about four hours, four yeah. to six hours yeah. a month. So, but a lot of it is flexible. Yeah. It's really based on the availability of the volunteer, but also the family. So they mm -hmm. communicate directly with mom or dad and and to arrange what their schedule is for community-based matches um, so that it's based on their own calendar. We don't set and say you have to meet mm -hmm. at such and such a time. Yeah. Indeed. So if, if something comes up in life and you have to cancel a meeting, it's not like, oh, they're going to kick me out of the program. Oh, okay. It's just, mm -hmm. this is right. what we expect from you. And, and But we understand that, that yeah. situations come up, that life things happen, and you just might be able to, for a week or two weeks, miss out. And then um, that's where just being able to communicate with the family and say, hey, because they, they have their own life things going on. Mm -hmm. And so just communicating that with the family makes a big difference and instead of just not showing up, you know, just having somebody to just say, oh, hey, this is going on. I'm incredibly busy with work and I can't make it this week. Um, can I schedule for next week? That's, you know, that's totally fine, you know, and, and communicating that with the volunteer or with the um, mentoring specialist, too, is important just so we so we can have an understanding because some families are more um, and some kids are more sensitive to that. Like if things are constantly being canceled or, or you oh, know, sure. because yeah. they've maybe had that's how <clears throat> things have gone in their life. They've had right. people back out yeah. cons consistently. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And, sure. yep, and so just having somebody who knows that 
giving that communication to a family can can be as meaningful as um, as showing up too, just so mm-hmm. they know you're thinking about them. Mm-hmm. To what extent does Big Brothers Big Sisters work with, let's say, like law enforcement or the foster care network? Is that a partnership that happens? Oh, that's a good question. I've not had that question before. Um, not in my history, we haven't had a partnership. No, yeah, not a that? partnership. They're actually nationally. There is a, a program called Bigs and Blue, yeah. uh, where uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters recruits police officers. Um, in our community, there's just been kind of a shortage of police officers mm-hmm. to really be able to commit the amount of time we expect. Mm-hmm. We have had some relationships where we have a. Um, a child who's in our program, a police officer will come and have lunch with them at school just on, a, on an occasion that they're able to, um, just to kind of show that support and have that's kind of our version of Bigs and Blue. Um, but yeah, national, nationally, they do try to do that. Um, as far as foster care, I used to work for the Big Brothers Big Sisters office up in Marquette uh, mm. as well. And um, the foster care system up there was a lot closer um, to Marquette where we had families it seems like in the Traverse City area there is a lot of um, foster care is in outlying areas and, right. it, and it tends right. to be really hard uh-huh. and because there's a lot of transients among you're in Kalkaska this week and then Cadillac and then Sutton's Bay mm-hmm. it can be really hard to kind of nail down somebody who's able to make that commitment to drive around. I have had a volunteer who did that. He followed his little to like four different schools in three oh, years wow. and, mm-hmm. and did that. And he was just a special volunteer for sure. Um, and he actually, his little moved out and he still uh, moved out of the area completely, but they were still able to communicate <laughs> and do all those things. Oh, but nice. it's, it's, it's pretty rare, just especially with how far some of these foster care families and, and the areas where they go around but I mean we have relationships with child and family services exactly. yeah, about that's what I was gonna different say. things like yeah know, so we do right so they know that those organizations that um they know that we exist so mm-hmm. they're know they know about our program and that uh, they can recommend our program to kids that are in foster care so uh. we do have kids that are in foster care that are in our program but it's not a um it's not to the degree of being right. a partnership okay yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going to also ask, like, to what degree do you get recommendations from, you know, the foster care network or any kind of social? Uh, but it sounds like, you know, there, there's definitely a relationship. There. Yeah. Right. They, yep. Yeah. They know that we're a, a wonderful service um, for those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, what geographical area? Now, do you call them chapters or offices? Like we call an agency. Agency. Yes. Okay. So what? <laughs> so what geographical area does? Your agency covers. Yep, our agency covers <clears throat> Grand Travers and uh, Kalkaska, okay. Antrim, Charlevoix, and Emmett counties. Oh, okay. Is there a target? <clears throat> excuse me. Is there a target demographic that you typically uh, go for? I mean, obviously, it's open to everybody. But do you find that a, a dem- certain demographic kind of emerges? I mean, more of our children come from single parent <clears throat> families, okay, or non traditional families like. Living with their grandparents, okay. living with a aunt or uncle or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean that, that is, as a yeah. as a demographic, I would say that would probably be. And the the majority, I would say, are in poverty as well. Yeah, right? they're definitely yeah. lower income families mm-hmm. that we the majority of the families we work with. So, it's, you know, it's really interesting all the research coming out about how poverty affects so many other aspects of someone someone's life. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've a couple of times in the podcast we've briefly touched on um, uh, like connections. I remember last time I was talking about that book. I couldn't remember the name of it. Yeah. It's called <laughs> Connections by James Burke. Oh, okay, and that book is more like ideas and technology and how everything's kind of interrelated. Mm-hmm. But kind of to bring it back to you know talking about uh, poverty, how many things um, and someone's future is affected by by that, right? Uh, yeah, it's and um, like uh, for example, I think I saw a graphic the other day uh, about how a simple broken taillight on your car has this snowball effect. Right. You know, <laughs> if you can't pay the ticket, well, then that balloons into something else and something else, and then all of a sudden it goes from a uh, broken taillight to jail time. Well, now you have a record, so mm-hmm. now that affects your ability right. to get a job. 
Well, she's starting to get into adverse childhood experiences. Yes, we. That's a whole separate podcast, but we can get into it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, actually, one of the trainings that Krista was talking about earlier is a a trauma-informed care training. Okay. And basically, what that is is understanding the experiences that some of our families and our kids have had and how that has led them to where they're at. Oh, so, and a lot of that stems out of what's called adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. And I want to say it was like 98 or something. They had done this study. It was two separate doctors who ended up realizing they were studying the same thing. (laughs) One was studying obesity. One was studying smoking and why these people couldn't lose weight or why they couldn't stop smoking. They'd done this whole big, uh, um, study of these people and it basically narrowed down to there was 10 different things um household situations some of which were if you'd ever seen your mother uh hit even one time um if there was drugs in the household if anyone in the household had um, gone to jail and then there was abuse physical and sexual and neglect physical emotional and sexual and there's a couple other ones I can't think of off the top of my head but the more of those that you had in your life the more of those that you had experienced the higher your risk of obesity cancer heart disease all these things and and they said it's just crazy the fact of how directly that correlates and one of the great things that has come out of that is this understanding of how to now work with people who've had high ACE scores because you can understand it's not necessarily, because it actually affects your genes. It affects, yeah. affects the way that stress, yeah. stress uh, deals um, with your, or the way your body deals with stress. Yeah. What's right. that? The epigenetics? Epigenetics, epigenetics. exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. And so um, one of the things that came out of a Harvard study of all of this is the number one thing that can help counteract a high ACE score <laughs> is a relationship with a caring oh, and competent adult. There you go. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the exact work we're doing is directly, you know, counter, uh, countering all of these ACEs that are prevalent in, in our community. And it's not just the demographic we talked about. ACEs are in every demographic, sure. upper yes. class, right. lower oh, yeah. class, yeah, rural, urban, all of these things. There's, there's no specific people who have higher ACE scores than other people, right. you know, so it's just, it's across our entire country. And and realizing that having somebody to talk to about these things yeah. can prevent you from getting into this loop of having kids that are going to have high mm-hmm. scores sure. and down the line. Right. So, and it also, you know, it affects the development of children. Yeah, trauma. absolutely. And um, so the the role that we can play is to heal that. And the good news is is that you can, like children can continue that development and uh, doesn't uh, permanently stunt the development, which is great. So our mentors can help with that. And not every, I do want to say that not every child in our program has experienced trauma. So, uh, you know, there certainly are some that have. Um, and but that's that's also part of the training that we provide our uh, our mentors so that they're aware of it and the biggest part of it not the biggest but one of the big parts of it is just respect of the families is right. knowing what um, having respect for the families and that their their parenting and in their um, situation or in their um, um, communities and and having respect for how they are parenting and the situation that they're living in um, so that we can work with with them and not trying to like change their parenting Mm -hmm. like Steve was saying earlier yeah Yeah. I can imagine that is such a tough line to toe because it's something that I can't you know what could you take more personally than your parenting? Exactly. Right? Yeah. exactly. If someone comes along and questions it, you yes. would immediately get defensive. Right. So yeah. I think it's it's awesome that, that you guys are able to able to toe that line and mm-hmm. say, look, you know, we're not trying to tell you what to do. We're just offering right. some help. And right. And that's, you know, I've had parents come out and say that in interviews, oh, that they felt like they are a failure for having their kids in our oh. program. And it's hard because, you know, you know that that person is trying their hardest and the Mm -hmm. fact that they're sitting in your office, they're looking for help says a lot more about, you know, what they're than than if they weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's a lot of times we are are trying to empower parents to help make good decisions then and, and just take uh, advice from a volunteer or what other agencies we can help set them up with so that they can 
um, be really successful for themselves and for their kids. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's definitely it, it can be very personal for for some parents, and sometimes it's just kind of stepping back and, and looking at the whole situation and and you know. You know, going back to that study you mentioned about the ACEs, I find that so interesting because there was a series of longevity studies that were conducted like in places, they identified places around the world that had the, the highest average lifespan. Hmm. And it was like uh, Sardinia was one. Hmm. There was, I think, places in Japan, mm -hmm. I think places in Siberia. And they focused on Sardinia because it had the highest. And they identified 10 different factors for longevity. Huh. And they went through like, you know, the obvious stuff, smoking, uh, drinking, um, uh, flu shot, I mean, obvious. But the very, the absolute number one thing was personal relationships. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And I find that so interesting yeah, that it's the same one in that yeah. study. Because they said it doesn't even have to be conflict-free. They said if you look at the culture there, um, you know, it's an island, so you've got the geographic isolation, so families and also the European culture families tend to stay closer together, mm -hmm. you know, and part of that's geography, part of that's culture. In America, we've got, you know, however, you know, it's huge, yeah. it's the right. fourth largest country in the world, so people move around, and we do, and the culture is much more individualistic, but over there, they notice that, well, the family's a lot closer together, you've got multiple generations living within blocks, mm -hmm. walking distance, mm -hmm. and they said even, like I said, even if uh, there is conflict, the fact that the uh, the older generations know that there will be someone there if something happens. Right. Mm -hmm. So they've got that peace of mind and that support. And I think it's so interesting that you have on both sides of the spectrum, uh -huh. the oldest people in the world, and then we're talking about kids here, mm -hmm. yep. but the number one thing that benefits them the most is still personal relationships. Yep. Yeah. There was another study that I was just reading last night, and uh, they said that investment in child programs often pay back more than investments for like adult programs okay because getting kids getting to kids and, and people at this young age actually will lead to more success and those you know tax revenue that gets created off of kids who um are consumers more than their producers and turning them into adults who are producers more than they are consumers yeah. <laughs> ends up making this whole, you know, and, and so, I mean, that's a big part of, you know, when I present, I said we should all have, uh, be invested in our community because these are going to be your guys' employees in yeah. the next 10 or 12 mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. These are going to be your kids' friends in the next, yeah. you know, five or six years. Mm -hmm. and, and so the, the better impact we can have on all of these kids will make our community better, you know, yeah, yeah. emotionally and mm -hmm. financially and everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's so interesting. Um, <laughs> has, has Big Brother, to your knowledge, I mean, in your personal experience, have you ever received any, like, resistance from the, the community? And I asked this also to have Deaf Humanity, and I was so glad to hear that they said no also. Oh, no, quite the opposite. Because, I, you know, I just, I would hate to think that, you know, an organization like this would ever receive any kind of, well, that's good. Yeah, right. no, yeah, yeah, quite the opposite. I think the community embraces what we do. Um, I will say that we are challenged with um, creating as much visibility as possible about who we are and sure. what it is that we do. And so there, what we would love, our dream situation would be if there are more members of the community that are advocating for our program. Oh, so okay. it's not that they're, they're, they have anything negative to say about it or speaking against it. It's that we need more people to know about us, to know. Mm -hmm. So this podcast is wonderful. Sure. It helps spread the <laughs> yes, word. Thank you. Thank so, yeah, we need more people to be aware of exactly what it is that we do and to be talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, we have the capacity to help more kids, and but we need more mentors to be helping us and um, taking you know an hour of their week um, to spend with a child. And so, even if for the people that are listening today, that even if they themselves um, might not be a great fit, uh, they may know a neighbor, a coworker, a friend uh, that for whom this would be a great fit. And so, we would love for people to be uh, helping to spread the word so that we can have as many mentors as possible to help the kids. The kids, sadly, the kids are here. The kids need the help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there are thousands of children in our community 
who are um, needing a mentor. So we need uh, the community to help us out and step up and become mentors. When I started uh, a couple of few years ago, year two and a half, almost three years ago, um, there was something, a number that had come out that there's about 6,000 kids in our, just our five county region that we cover oh, wow. um, who are considered at risk. Oh, okay. So this year our goal is to serve 400 kids. Okay. So there, there we, there's a lot more kids than we're helping right. and, and so right. we really need a, a, you know, a lot more volunteers and some of those kids are in, in rural areas that it tends to be harder to yeah. reach but um, you know there are definitely still kids right here in Grand Traverse County and, and, and Calcask and mm-hmm. Antrim that, you know, I need a volunteer. So. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned challenges. In your specific roles, what is the biggest challenge that you found so far? Uh, we might answer that question differently. Yeah, so sure. I, think yeah. we should, I think we should both answer the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we just, t- I mean, my recruitment is a big part of my, my role. And so that is... Um, I'll, I'll say it's a rewarding challenge. That sounds kind of kind of funny, but um, so right now we're out in the community um, chatting with folks like you and other businesses and community organizations to talk about what it is that we do and spread the word uh, to to recruit volunteers. So I would say that that's my greatest challenge, but it's very rewarding because I get to go out and do this and mm-hmm. right. and talk about um, how we benefit kids. So okay. Um, as a mentoring specialist, I think my, um, and it's not probably just one definite, this is the big thing, um, but creating trust within the families we serve who, you know, have not had someone who's really advocating for them before and, and are need some time to understand that we care about their child and we care about them and want to help. Um, and also just some of the transients that we deal with with some of our low-income families Mm -hmm. that phone numbers change and schools change and all those things and all of a sudden the the like I said, the phone number that worked last week, you know, now they're calling you on a different number and, and they need some, some assistance for something and or just finding out that now they moved to, you know, a, an outer lying area and mm. it might mean a match mm-hmm. has to close, but for them financially not being able to stay in Grand Traverse County, you know, so that that is something that's, that's very frustrating to, to sure. deal with when it does happen and it happens more than I wish it would. Sure, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fair. How did you come to be at Big Brothers Big Sisters? What did you do before? Um, so, well, I, so right out of college, uh, I originally I wanted to be a teacher. Oh. Um, decided I didn't want to be a teacher. Still wanted to work with kids. And I ended up in the Marquette Agency, like I said, for about two and a half years. Um, the recession hit. There was less money going around. I, sure. I was laid off. I ended up in the restaurant business, of all things, because <laughs> there was hiring and I yeah. could do it. It's and, a catch-all. And so, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, um, and so I did that, and then I had always loved the work I had done in Marquette, and um, through uh, kind of just odd little meetings, I was able to meet our director, Cecilia, and, and um, Gary, who was in uh, Chris's role prior to this, and uh, for about two, two and a half years, I'd maintained contact and then a position opened up and they hired me in. But it was just really, like I said, wanting to impact kids, knowing that, uh, like I grew up, you know, my parents were together. I had an uncle who lived close by who, you know, family was a big part of this. Um, and then realizing that there are a lot of kids in the community that don't have that support. Sure. And so saying, hey, you know, I have, I can do that, and, and I like doing that, and, and I like helping other people realize that it's easier than you think to, to be a volunteer, um, and just, I've always loved this work, so that's kind of <laughs> how I got into it. What college did you go to? Central Michigan University. Central. Yep. Go, go, what's the matter? Chips. chips. Go Chips. That's right. <laughs> chips right. Fire up Chips. Fire, Fire up Chips. chips. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. What about you, Krista? What did you do before? So my uh, my path to Biggs is a little bit more unique. Um, I actually have a background in the arts, and prior to working at Big Brothers Big Sisters, I was the executive director of the Travers Symphony Orchestra. Oh, no kidding! Which is a professional oh, wow. orchestra in town. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm friends with the principal bassist, Gary Gatsky. He's a great guy. Oh my gosh, Gary Gatsky is one of my closest friends. Is it's he? Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. That's so awesome. we have we have good friends. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so uh, I I love children. Like children um, and benefiting children is what fills my love bucket, as I like to say. Sure. And um, have been on the board of Child and Family Services and the board of Building Bridges with Music. Um, another local uh, nonprofit um, that spreads the message of love and respect in the, in the school system throughout the state of Michigan. And so I have done that for a number of years. And just for the last probably two or three years of my time at the symphony, was just feeling this tug. Mm. Um, and knew that I'm at a point in my life where I wanted to live a life of purpose. And so took a leap of faith and decided to make a significant change in my professional life. And thankfully um, found this position at Big Brothers Big Sisters, which has been a wonderful fit for me. Yeah, are you a musician? Also? I am. Oh. Yeah, I, so I studied classical voice. Oh, no kidding. Yes. <laughs> Where at? Yeah. Well, I, I went to Albion College, and um, then through my my time after that, had discovered that, uh, and I won't get into this too, too much, but had discovered that I'm really an introvert, and it was more about the <laughs> okay. study of music. I'm not a, I'm not a performer. I love, I love the study of music, okay. and... Um, but then not a, I, I don't like all the attention. So I uh, ended up working at Interlochen Center for the Arts for several yeah, years. And then the symphony sense. for several yeah. years. And so this is, a, I, this is my first position not in the arts. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we went to the, uh, a few years ago, we went to the Student Collage. Which is at, phenomenal. Uh, oh, I was, have you ever been to that? No. It's, it's like, from what I remember, it's basically like five minute, Performances from every program, every uh, arts area, every arts, yeah, yeah just one right, after because, another. Because there's, you know, the standard math, science. It's a, it's a mm -hmm. high school. I mean, it's a standard high school, right? So you can take any, right, any right. course. But yeah, so from the arts, it's like five minute <laughs> performances from each of the arts programs there. Mm. I think it was like an hour and a half long or something. Yeah, but it was, uh, yeah. blew me away. Wonderful. I mean, I, I think I specifically remember, um, I don't know, maybe an eighth grade violinist. And I, I'm just like, I don't have the words to describe the talent. It's just unbelievable. And I'm, I'm not a professional musician, but I'm just like, I cannot believe that this 13-year-old, yeah. it's like, yeah. we're going to be seeing her again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? It blew me away. And there was, there was ballet, there was spoken word, prose, everything in between. It's yeah. a pretty incredible what we have in our community. It is. All around. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, it's internationally known in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. It is. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. Before I moved up here, um, um, I actually I met my ex-wife in college, and she's from Lake Ann. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, I live near the, the Interlochen Arts Academy. I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> but then I got to look at it, and it's like, Oh, oh, this wow. is, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I would put it on par with Juilliard mm -hmm. as far as. Well, a lot of the graduates go to Juilliard. Yeah, like Gary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, Gary, Gary we went Juilliard. to his yeah. graduation in New York. And I, what blew me away was when um, at the graduation, I'm like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like the class is very big. I'm like, how big is Juilliard? He's like, oh, I think it's about like 500 undergrad. And I'm like, <laughs> you got a full ride? <laughs> To Juilliard, and they only have 500 under. I mean, do you? I was trying to, like, Gary, you're that good. Don't you get that? I was, I was blown away. And then they had, for the graduation, they had the graduating class do a performance. Yeah. And um, I, I turned to my wife at the time, I'm like, you realize that right now we're probably, we're being, we're witnessing the best performers in the world of, you know, mm -hmm. this, this experience. That's great. Well, it's yeah. great that you have the appreciation for that oh, yeah. and recognize that. And as they, uh, they gave uh, honorary degrees to John Williams and mm -hmm. Judy Dench. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, yeah, I was a little starstruck. It was, <laughs> yeah, That's it great. Was, it was nuts. That was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, I don't know how you define musician, but, you know, we're both, you yeah. know, well, you, you've been playing guitar for 20 years right Maybe yeah bands for I, 20 plus yeah, years yeah just play guitar and that's bands great. you know study a little music theory just nothing that's serious great. but good good for you still like it it's fun yeah good yeah, yeah. yeah he's much more of a performer and i went and saw you a bunch of times and oh yeah you know i'm just i took some piano lessons when i was a kid and <laughs> play guitar too well, that's great fun. but uh yeah the, even just that um 
you know, little musical exposure, just the, like I said, the student collage is just. Well, that's amazing. neat too, like to, um, you know, thinking about bigs too, that any opportunities that our kids and our program have to be introduced to things like music yeah. and music lessons and, yeah. and performances and programs at Interlochen Center for the Arts. And yeah. um, you know, we were very blessed to have the support of the community in, in providing many different kind of programs and events and opportunities mm-hmm. across the gamut. Um, for our kids and uh, talking about a supportive community. That's, sure. that's one of the ways in which they do that. We offer um, like two or three programs a month mm-hmm. um, of, uh, and I say programs, meaning um, whether it's going fishing or we just had kids go to uh, have a tour of the fire station. Yeah. Um, and Olympic level equestrian jumping. Equestrian go jumping. They're oh, going to go wow. to the film festival this Saturday, yeah. and so we well, does start this we week. have mm-hmm. activities that these kids can come and do either with their families or with their bigs, mm-hmm. and um, and many of these opportunities are things that they would not be able to do without right. the the very generous assistance of the community. Yeah, you know, and that's one thing I really like about this area is the depth. You've got so many different things that's going right. on, mm-hmm. and I think it contributes to this sense of uh, vitality in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my wife's from a small town in central Wisconsin, and they have two Harley plants there. But that's it. You know? <laughs> it's like and you, when you go there, you just get this feeling of it's very one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. And if those plants were to shut down for any reason, I mean, the town would be done. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's nice to be in a place where there's not that. I don't get that sense of, you know. Yeah. that sense at all. It's like we've got so many things going on. Yeah. I agree. For right. the size of our community, yeah, to have you know, this vibrant well, community. Yeah. Versus 15,000 people? I mean, it's yeah. not it's, Yeah, it's, it's not, not big. big. No. Yeah. So, and you never know what, you know, just one little spark in, That's, in, in a child. Yeah. Exactly. You know, they say, oh, you know, I, it's like that, that violin performance or any spoken word, it's like, I want to do that. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they're off and running. And these kids, that you know, they may not be aware of what those possibilities are yeah. for their future, yeah, what their exactly. opportunities are. They just, they simply don't know. And so to have our community and our mentors help kind of open their eyes and open those doors, mm-hmm. is, it changes their lives. We had a, um, uh, one of our board members is a restaurant owner in town, and um, he, we had had a, uh, a picnic. He has volunteers, or bigs and littles come out to his house um, to do uh, a big picnic and just kind of have fun kind of at the end of summer. And um, one of the littles at the last, last year when this happened, um, her her big took her by his restaurant. And it's a real nice restaurant here in town. And, and he, she said, oh, I'll probably never get a chance to eat there. I mean, and, and so this was like a, a 16-year-old girl who had already said it in her mind that she was yeah. never going to be good enough just to eat yeah. at a nice restaurant in town. Mm-hmm. Well, shortly thereafter, we ended up having an event out there, mm-hmm. and we had to invite some matches to kind of do some meet and greets and everything, and we made sure that uh, her mentoring specialist reached <laughs> out, and, and she got to come and eat and do all these things. Yeah. And, it, and it's one of those kind of things that's like, you are good enough to do yes. any of this yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah. Like, you right. don't ever have to think that you're not enough to, to even mm-hmm. go out to eat at a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, which is just surprising. When I was in Marquette, we, we did a lot of stuff in with NMU, and we had numerous kids who had no concept of college until we had sure. taken them onto yeah, campus and sure. said, this is a possibility. This is your Everyone. community. You yeah. can just, yeah. you can go here. And, yeah. and there's a lot of kids that got excited about school then because they wanted them to go to NMU because they got to experience what it was like to go to a basketball game or see the USOEC um, speed skaters up there. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, to, to just <clears throat> show kids what's possible yeah. means yeah. so much. That's huge. Yeah, you know, and one of the... Um, one of the podcasts I listen to is all, it's called You Are Not So Smart, and it's all about human behavior mm-hmm. and decision-making and, and everything like that. And one of the episodes is about learned helplessness. And when you mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, young lady who, you know, it's like, I'm never going to eat here. Mm-hmm. It's like, I wonder what else in her life she'd resigned herself exactly. to. Sure. And I think exactly. it's, it's, it's great that this organization can, can overcome mm-hmm. something that could be so... Um, I don't know, oppressive to someone's right. mm-hmm. you know, personality right. or life. 
And that's actually, I, going back to our challenges, for a lot of our volunteers, it is surprising to them to hear kids say things like that. Sure. Right. Like, to, to us, it's like, oh, you know, it's not going to be an everyday thing. I go to that restaurant. No. But, but, uh, I know that I, if I cho- choose to, I can go there, yeah. you know, and to just hear somebody say, I'm never going to be good enough to go there, no. or I'm never going to have that much money uh, to be able to eat there. Is, is is hard for some of our volunteers mm-hmm. who to, to process. And sure. so that's where our kind of coaching for them comes sure. into play, where, where we have to real, help them remember to just take a step back and, and realize this kid isn't just on your, it's not a level playing field for everybody. No. You know, we got to get them back to kind of the baseline to then help them get above that. So and I would add, that just reminds me too, that we have, um, situations where children are not used to even just going out to eat yeah, and having yeah. and and so and that's something that uh, from from a standpoint of coaching our mentors to be thinking outside the box of the experience of the family and the child that if a mentor just automatically goes and takes that child to go out at a restaurant that it may yeah. be very overwhelming to the child oh, because sure. like, they oh, let's go grab a bite not, yeah you know? yeah, yeah. So it, it can be eye-opening for our mentors, yeah. too, and, and to have respect for that or what that experience might be. Um, not that they shouldn't give them that experience, Absolutely. but know that it's going to be different. And <laughs> a, a lot of volunteers in their interview, when we ask, what, what, do, you, what do you think you're going to do with a little? Yeah. What are some things? You, well, whatever they want to do. And it's often reminding them they don't know because yeah. they have not had yeah. the opportunities. <laughs> some kids really do know they really like this or they really like that. But so many kids haven't had access to things that they don't know at, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old, what, what's even out there. So yeah. it's like, you know, we tell volunteers, just throw everything at the board and see what sticks. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you might do a bunch of stuff that you end up hating, but you don't know what this kid really yeah. likes because they don't know right, what they right. really like. Right. So. Well, yeah, to me, it's, um, it's about... It seems to be about giving people a perspective that they may not have. And I think that all the way around. Yep. Yeah, and I think that as a population in general, I think that's something we lack. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially in this country, I feel you know we've got like going back to you know geography. Um, we're we kind of got this monoculture here, and we're kind of sheltered. And mm-hmm. it, it just seems people have a, a, I mean, not to get political, but people have a big lack of perspective. And so they make these judgments based mm-hmm. on very little information and mm-hmm. very little experience. But, you know, even within our country, when you have people exposed to others that haven't had the opportunities that they have, it's eye-opening. It's very eye-opening. You know, like when I was growing up, it was just assumed I was going to go to college. <laughs> right. Because that's how my family is. Right. But then a lot of people I know are, are like, they're... Or a lot of people I met at college you know, made it a point to say, I'm the first one in my family. Right. And I'm like, well, what? I mean, my, both my parents had degrees, and it's just, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. And, no, it's not how it is. That's not, it's not, how it it's is. not a given yeah. for, for anybody. Absolutely. And I would say that the, there are many in our community that would be surprised to hear the figure that Steve mentioned earlier, that there are 6,000 children yeah. in our community yeah. that are at risk. Um, that's eye-opening to many in our community as well. Oh, I mean, I think I, I read an article that uh, over the past... I think it was 2017, 2018, there were, I want to say like 430 kids who at one point during, in, in TCAPs, that had faced homelessness at one point oh, or another. Wow. And that, that doesn't mean that there's 400 kids who are homeless at one time, right? but at right. some point, there was some length of time that kids were, they didn't know where they were going to sleep. They didn't know where their next Next meal meal. was going to come from. They didn't know who to turn to, you know, so realizing that too. And when you're in a school setting and this next test is going to be make or break for you, but you haven't eaten in two days, you haven't slept really well, you don't realize that kind of putting this and that kind of goes all the way back to that trauma-informed care, understanding what people's experiences have been, you know, what is it if, if, you judge every animal by its ability to climb its tree. A fish is always going to sure. think it's stupid. Yeah. So, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, I, I used to work with people that, you know, you're talking, like, specifically, let's say, about um, uh, eating, right? And so it's like you've got a lot of schools that have uh, free breakfast mm-hmm. for kids and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I, I've worked with people, and I know people that are like, why should my tax dollars go for that? Because I don't have a kid in school. And I'm like, you don't. <laughs> like, number one, you know, 
we don't live, nobody here lives alone, okay? 320 mm-hmm. million people. And like it or not, we all need to depend on each other. Right. So it's like your tax dollars going to feed that child for breakfast means that they, they probably pass that test because they've got mm-hmm. proper nutrition and they can think clearly. Mm-hmm. And they're in class and not breaking into your car or breaking right. into your house. Like, so it's and like they are your a, future employee, perhaps. Yeah, and the, and the minimal <laughs> amount of money that yeah. got put into the school foods is, yes. is a fraction compared to if they drop out because they didn't yes. have all those things and then they're reliant on, on unemployment and, and right. Medicaid yes. and all these sorts of things, they're, they're a bigger consumer than they are a producer. Yeah. Yeah. Or Whereas yeah. give them a little food and then get them up to that next level and then they're going to produce more. Yeah. yeah, or if they enter the prison system. It's like, exactly. well, that's funded that's by tax dollars. $40,000 a year per uh, inmate. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. There you go. So yeah, it's like crazy. I just... Back to perspective, you know, absolutely, it's all connected. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's, I, fascinating stuff. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that always just irritated me when I heard that argument. It's like you don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, I'm glad uh, that you're out talking about it in yeah, the community. That's yeah, yeah you're doing your part. That. That's great. Sure. Well, you guys are doing your part for sure. Absolutely. So, kind of as we're wrapping up, sure. how can people contact Big Brothers Big Wonderful. Sisters? What are the pathways? Sure. Um, and Steve mentioned this, but uh, certainly our website has information um, about Biggs. It's biggsupnorth.com. Uh, you can not only read more about who we are and what we do, but also there is a way to inquire via our website to reach out to us, and, um, and then we will contact you. Uh, you may also just call our office at 231-946-2447 and speak with us directly, and we're happy to answer any, any questions that anyone has, whether you know of somebody, that uh, a child that would benefit from our program, or you yourself are interested in mentoring a child. We'd love, uh, we'd love to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. Was there anything you guys want to add? Words of wisdom, an inspirational story, a success story, or anything like that? You want to tell a success story to to wrap it up? Oh, I don't know. Man, I'm sure (laughs) I could. Yeah, we have all sorts of success stories. Um, Well, and this was was not my match. This was when I first started, the very first time uh, we had an event. uh, So this will almost be three years ago. And hearing a big brother who had been matched with his little brother for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, they had first been matched and his little was seven years old. And he said, um, they were driving in the car. This was like in the first couple months. And the kid was fairly quiet. And he said, um, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the kid was quiet and thought about it for a minute. And he said, I know what I'm going to be. Okay. Poor. Oh, and... Uh, they had met then, and they were actually both presenting at this at this dinner that we were having, and um, the little was off to college in the fall. Nice. You know that he had um, had realized that that didn't have to be his 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 the path that he followed. You know, and with support from his little brother and or, or I'm sorry from his big brother, and then the the other people that he was able to surround himself with he kind of had gotten out of that and to me that was like I had worked in Marquette you know for all these years and I'd had you know those stories and then I came down and I was just like blown away by you know how special some of the people in our community and to get a kid from from that like I'm just going to be poor to off to college in the fall is is crazy to study healthcare. To study oh, healthcare, wow. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a really make it's a, not a great path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, so. and that's yeah, that's the point. I mean, that's you can see every you know day of your hard work basically being validated. Right, right. So that's great. Right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you yes, thank time. you guys. We I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, we appreciate it. So.